0: the following is a production of phoenix media the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners thank you for tuning in to silver age heroes radio theater i'm your host christian phoenix Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When Jimmy Olsen found a silver arrow buried on Tumbleweed Jones Ranch, things began to happen. The arrow was engraved with a riddle in rhyme. If he who finds it has no fear, he'll search the stream neath the galloping steer. In the deserted ghost town of Dead Man's Gulch, Kent, Jimmy, and Tumbleweed found the second arrow, which in turn led to a third. Having learned from an old prospector known as Hopeful Jake that a legendary character called the Silver Arrow once roamed Lost Valley, Kent is certain the carefully hidden arrows with their mysterious rhymes must lead to something important. But evidently, others have the same idea. Some very active ghosts have suddenly come to life in Dead Man's Gulch. First... Kent and Jimmy were almost trapped in a cave by a man-made landslide. Then Tumbleweed was struck from behind and left roped and gagged in one of the ghost town's deserted shacks. To cap everything, a mysterious tapping led our friends to the second floor of the shack where they found a young girl bound to a chair. Strangely enough, she was wearing as a hat ornament a duplicate of the three silver arrows. As we pick up our story, we find Kent about to question her regarding it. Listen. Listen.
3: Now, this silver arrow, Mary, do you mind telling us where you got it? Well, not at all, Mr. What was that? Look, over
4: there on the wall. I'll be a bobtail cayuse. It's another silver arrow. Come through the window. Is it Mr. Kent?
5: Yes. There's a note
3: attached to it. A note? Gosh. Oh, oh what does it say? Now we'll see in a minute. Ah. Hold that candle up, Jimmy. Yeah. That's it. Well? Oh, wait a minute, Jimmy. It's written in pencil and it's a little hard to decipher but... Handwriting is childish. Come a little closer with the candle, yeah? Yeah, that's
6: better. Maybe I can read it, Mr. Kent. I teach kindergarten back east, and I'm accustomed to children's writing.
1: Oh, you probably can't. Here.
6: No child ever wrote this. It's the handwriting of an old man. Oh, can you read it? I I think so. Now, let's see. Leave now, and don't never come back. Give up looking for more silver arrows or you'll be finding them in your back. Gosh.
2: Yeah, I don't
7: suppose it's signed.
6: No, no, that's all it says. Leave now and don't never come back. Give up looking for more silver arrows, or you'll be finding them in your back. What does it mean?
1: You three wait here. I'm going out to look for whoever sent us this pleasant little note. I'm a-going with you.
5: I think you'd better stay behind, Tumbleweed, and keep an eye on Jimmy and Miss Lewis. Well, nobody has to keep an eye on me. I can take care of myself. Look. What? Mr.
6: Kent, out the window.
4: It's a
5: man,
6: heading for the hill.
4: Stand back, stand back. I'll get that man with my bow and arrow.
6: Hurry, Tumbleweed. Here goes. Did you get him?
4: If and I did, I just winged him. He's
5: running like a loco steer. I'll catch him. Oh, hold on, Mr. Kent.
4: i am come with you. You and Mary, wait downstairs for
5: us, Jimmy. Okay, Mr. Kent. Can you see the steps, Miss Lewis? This candle doesn't give much light. Be careful. I know. you better let me hold your arm. Easy now. At a time and mm-hmm. steal your way. Some of the boards are pretty rotten.
2: <sighs>
5: there. Now we're all right. Who do you think shot that arrow through the window, Jimmy? Gosh, I don't know. A lot of funny things have been happening around here. Things that are pretty tough to explain unless you believe in ghosts. Dead Man's Gulch is supposed to be a ghost town, you know.
6: That simply means it's deserted, Jimmy.
5: Well, we're a deserted town, it certainly has plenty of activity. You know, I still don't understand how you had nerve enough to come out here alone. You never did tell us what brought you to Dead Man's Gulch. Well, it's a long
6: story, Jimmy. You said you were looking
5: for something. Has it anything to do with that silver arrow you're wearing on your hat? Yes. Where did you
6: get that silver arrow, Miss Lewis? I'd feel much more comfortable if you'd call me Mary instead of Miss Lewis.
5: Oh, gosh, I, I would if I didn't know you were a school teacher.
6: Kindergarten teacher. Don't let that frighten you, Jimmy. Okay, uh, Where did you get that silver arrow, Miss... Mary? My grandfather sent it to my mother many years ago. I was searching through an old trunk recently and found it with a faded letter the Grandfather Cummings had written. It mentioned the silver arrow. It said to guard it closely because it had great value. Oh,
5: did your grandfather used to live out here?
6: Yes, my mother was born in Los Angeles. She doesn't remember her father at all. Her mother brought her east when she was only an infant.
5: Didn't your grandfather go with them?
6: No. Seems he was a western bad man, Jimmy. A cattle rustler. And his wife, my grandmother, left him and went east with my mother. Oh. They never saw him again. And the only time they ever heard from him was when he sent the silver arrow.
5: Gosh. Was he a real western bad man? Did he hold up stagecoaches and things like that? (laughs) I imagine so. Golly. Well, why did he send your mother the silver arrow?
6: Well, that's what brought me out here. When I found the arrow in the trunk and, and read the rhymed inscription on it... I realized that Grandfather Cummings must have had some reason for sending it.
5: I guess you're right. Because the three silver arrows we found must lead to something. See, I wonder what happened to Mr. Kent and Tumbleweed. think we ought to go out and look for him? Mr. Kent said to wait here. All right. This candle is getting smaller and smaller. I'd hate to be stuck here without any light. It's bad enough. Jimmy. What's the matter? I felt a cold raft. So did I. The candle's flickering. Mm-hmm. Opening a door. Who's there?
6: Jimmy, the candle. It's out. Have you got any matches?
5: No, we took them.
6: Someone's coming toward us. Where are you, Jimmy? Right here. Hold my hand. Don't be afraid. can't me get out of
5: here. I don't know which way to turn in the dark. I think I better yell for Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent. Mr.
6: Kent. Jimmy, someone's got me. Yell for help! Help, Mr. Kent! Help! Help! Step on Mr. Kent! Mr. Kent! coming!
2: Jimmy, where are you?
6: Jimmy! Oh, I'm all right. Knock knocked me down.
2: Hey, right, Scott, what happened?
3: Why is it pitch dark in here?
6: Well, the candle blew out. Someone attacked Jimmy. What?
3: I'll strike a match. There.
5: Jimmy, are you hurt? No, I just got the breath knocked out of me. You scared him off, Mr. Kent. Scared who off? But
6: someone opened the back door and the draft blew the candle out.
5: Are you sure it wasn't the wind?
6: Oh, no. We heard footsteps and the floorboards creep.
5: The wind doesn't
3: wear whiskers either. What are you talking about? Look. Wait, to match one and I'll light another. There. Where's that piece of candy you had, Jimmy? Yes, I, I dropped it. There it is on the floor. Oh.
8: There, I'll light it
3: and set it on the table. Better
5: than striking matches continually. There we are. Now, what were you saying about whiskers, Jimmy? I've got a handful of them. What? White whiskers, look. Well, where on Whoever earth? Whoever jumped on me in the dark had a long white beard. Leaping lizards, Mr. Kent. I'll bet a dollar to a donut it was... What's-his-name? Who? Oh, you know, that old prospector. Hopeful Jake. Oh,
1: no, no, it it couldn't have been. Well, how
5: do you know? He had a long white beard, and, and he was the only one who wanted us to stay away from Dead Man's ghost. Oh, I know. Oh, but... I'm sure it was Hopeful Jake, Mr. Kent. I tell you, it couldn't have been, Jimmy. You'll see why in a moment. Here comes Tumbleweed
7: now. low right, your ornery. Low down.
4: shank, coyote. I got a mind to run you so full of arrows you won't be good for nothing but probate. Get inside there
7: before I lose my temper.
4: Get.
5: I, it's Hopeful Jake.
7: You ain't got no call to treat an old man this way, Tumbleweed. All I done was to play a little joke on you. We don't take a hanker into them kind of jokes, you
4: spavin
5: old wheeze box. Uh. Now, do you see why the bearded man who attacked you couldn't have been hopeful, Jake, Jimmy? Wait a minute. I'm not quite sure. Hey, let go of my beard. Oh, you're right, Mr. Kent. It's a different beard. What's going on here? Why, someone attacked Jimmy and Mary while we
1: were
4: chasing Hopeful? Jimmy wrestled with whoever it was and managed to pull a handful of hair out of his beard. Why, you mean to say there's another loco bearded hombre loose in the gulch? Well, that's what it
7: looks like. I told you, I warned you, it ain't safe to go messing around in no ghost town.
4: Nobody is asking you for no opinion. If it ain't safe for us, it ain't safe for you neither.
6: Is this the man who shot the silver arrow into the window?
4: Yes,
1: he says it was
4: a practical joke just to scare us. Don't put no stock in that, ma'am. Hopeful Jake ain't spoke the truth for as long back as I can remember. Uh,
7: You've got no call to say a thing like that, Tumbleweed. It ain't right and it ain't decent. I'm an old man. Yes, but not too old to wander around in the darkness
1: playing what you call practical jokes on people. Now, are you going to tell us why you've been trying to keep us away from Dead Man's Gulch, or do we have to turn you over to the sheriff?
4: We ain't turning him over to no sheriff, Mr. Kent. If he don't talk, and talk mighty quick, we're going to string him up. Huh?
3: That, maybe you're right, Tumbleweed. That would be the easiest way. No,
4: no,
7: you, you can't do that. It's again the law.
4: The law won't have no part of this. Uh, we'll just heist you up and let the buzzards pick your skinny carcass clean. Uh, Get the rope off in of my saddle, Mr. Kenton. Uh, I'll, I'll you. talk,
7: I'll talk. I'll tell you everything I know. It ain't much, but I, I'll tell you. Go ahead. Just one thing
1: I want to know, Hopeful. Why did you try to keep us out of Dead Man's Gulch?
7: Because there's something here that belongs to me. Something I've been hunting for 30 years, and I aim to find it before I die.
1: Evidently, you're not the only one who's looking for it. There's someone else in this town, the white-bearded man who wrestled with Jimmy.
7: Do you know who it is? Reckon I do. Oh? I've been nursing and feeding him for a long time, trying to get him to think straight. Trying to get him to tell me where he buried it. Buried what? I don't know, but I reckon it's silver. Pounds and pounds of silver. Who is this man? What's his name? You heard what Mr. Kent said, Hopeful. What's his name? His name? Well, it...
6: Oh! Catch him, Mr. Kent. Okay, I got it. Mr. Kent, what happened?
7: He's been shot in the back. What?
1: With a silver arrow. Silenced by a silver arrow, knifing out of the darkness, Hopeful Jake slumps into Clark Kent's arms just as he's about to reveal the secret of Dead Man's Gulch. Has the silver arrow silenced the old prospector forever? The story is rushing to an exciting climax, so don't forget to be with us for the next revealing episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky!
1: It's a bird, it's a plane!
2: It's Superman! Superman!
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
2: Behold, my process.
3: Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the
0: loop quick subscription box, yeah. With an exclusive loop on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha ha ha. From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX
3: Collectible Boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming Video Game Box!
0: Woohoo! Loot Crate
2: Box, what's
0: with today, huh? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman.
1: Presenting the transcription feature,
2: Superman! Look, up in the sky! It's
1: a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman! Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, trace a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, Listen. And now to our story. The mystery of the Silver Arrows is fast drawing to a close. When Clark Kent and Tumbleweed Jones captured the old prospector, Hopeful Jake, they learned why he had been trying to scare them away from the ghost town of Dead Man's Gulch. Eerie shadows danced on the dust-laden walls of the ghost town shack as Hopeful began his rambling story. Suddenly, a silver arrow whizzed out of the darkness and struck him in the back. As our story continues today, Jimmy, Tumbleweed, and Mary Lewis are seated in the parlor of Tumbleweed's ranch house, while Clark Kent and the doctor are in the adjoining bedroom with a seriously injured old man. Listen.
4: 30. They've been in there a long time. You reckon old Hopeful's done for?
5: I don't know, Tumbleweed. That silver arrow was sharp.
4: I don't generally ask for much, Jim, but... I'd give plenty to get my hands on the ornery lowdown, sneaking son of a mangy coyote who shot that arrow into old Hopeful's back. I'd give him a taste of arrows he wouldn't be likely to
6: forget. You've changed your tune, Mr. Jones. Back a dead man's gulch, you were ready to string that poor old man up on the nearest tree. Oh, Tumble, we didn't mean that, Mary. Well, he wouldn't hurt a fly, let alone
5: an old fella like Hopeful Jake.
4: Hold on, Jim. I can draw my own bow. In the first place, ma'am, nobody calls me Mr. Jones round these here parts. The name's Tumbleweed, and that's the whole of it. No mister and no nothing. In the second place, Jimmy here had a bead on the target. I wouldn't string nobody up, even if it meant losing both arms and a leg. But old Hopeful didn't know that. Leastways, he didn't stop to think much about it.
5: Tumbleweed just wanted him to talk. That's why he threatened him. Well, he talked,
6: and you see what happened.
4: Yeah, if I could have put my hand in front of that there silver arrow and stopped it, man, I'd have done it.
3: I'll
6: keep a close watch, Doctor. I can't
1: tell you how much I appreciate you getting down here as fast as you did.
8: I'm glad I was able to, Mr. Kent. Well, good night, Tumbleweed. Good night, everyone. Good night, Doc. Good night. Good night. Good night. Much bye.
4: Well, what's it going to be, Mr. Kent?
1: A tough battle for hopeful, Tumbleweed. That arrow went deep. He's not a young man, you know. But Dr. Mallory thinks he has a chance. I hope he pulls through. No, so do we all, Jimmy. More reasons than one. Well, why don't you turn in, Mary? You look tired. Oh, I'm all right. Well, I think it might be a good idea if we all turned in. I'm going to sleep right here on the sofa. Oh, no, you ain't. Well, I have to, Tumbleweed. Dr. Mallory said to stay close by, hopeful, in case he comes out of his coma.
4: If anybody's going to bunk on that there horsehair sofa, it's me. Why? For the plain and simple reason that you need a good night's rest. And that old lumpy sofa ain't fit for a man or beast to flop on.
2: Come I think
4: you're being very silly, Tumbleweed. I don't mind at all. Well, I do, and since these here are my diggings, I reckon I've got to speak the right to speak my piece. I'm sleeping on the sofa, and you and Jim is going over to the bunkhouse. Well. The lady's got a room all fixed upstairs.
9: <laughs> hey, you see, it pays
1: to be a lady, Mary. You don't have to sleep on the sofa or in the bunkhouse. You're fancy. <laughs> Ain't
4: nothing fancy about it.
6: I could probably sleep on Iron Spikes tonight.
4: <laughs> if it's that bad, good night. We'll see you in the morning.
6: Which room is mine, Tumbleweed?
4: Right up the head of the stairs.
1: I'll take you out.
6: Oh, no, don't bother. I'll find it. Good, night. Good, good night. night. good night. Don't forget to wake me. If you don't, I'll sleep right into next week. No,
4: I'll see you that you're awakened right and early.
6: Okay, good night. night. Good
4: night. You know, uh, I can't rightly figure her out. She kind of puzzles me.
5: Oh, I think she's swell. You'd never believe she was a schoolteacher, would you? Why not?
1: School teachers grow horns and breathe fire. Oh, you know what I mean. All <laughs> I know is that you made a silly, unthinking remark. What puzzled you, Tumbleweed? Well, I don't know.
4: Do you think that yarn she told b- Jim about her grandpa is on the level?
1: Oh, I'm sure it is. After all, she has a silver arrow exactly like the first one Jimmy found, with the same rhyme
4: engraved on it. And you think her grandpa sent it to her? Where'd he get it?
3: Hmm, he probably had a lot of them.
5: What do you mean, Mr. Kent?
3: Well, I don't want Mary to know this, but it's been my feeling ever since I heard her story that her grandfather, Bart
1: Cummings, was the Silver Arrow himself. No kidding, Mr. King. Stay quiet, Jim.
3: I may be wrong, but everything points to that. You remember the story Hopeful told us about the Silver Arrow? How he was supposed to have been a Western bad man who reformed? Well, that
1: fits the description, doesn't it?
4: Well, it does in a way, well, as but... As I
1: say, it's just a hunch I have. However, I think we'll find out much more if Hopeful recovers. He knows who the bearded man is, the man who attacked Jimmy. He'll probably be able to tell us where to find him. What if Hopeful doesn't recover, Mr. Kent? Well, in that case, we'll just have to carry on without his help. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning we should follow the instructions engraved on that last arrow we found and see where it brings us.
3: Well, let's turn
1: in. I wish you'd let me sleep on the sofa, Tumbleweed. Yeah, nothing doing. Oh, all right. Look in on Hopeful, though. If he becomes restless, give him one of the pills Dr. Mallory left. They're on the table next to the bed. Good night, Tumbleweed. Good night. Good night, Jim.
2: Good
1: night. Stripping off his boots, Tumbleweed tiptoes to the door of Hopeful's bedroom, looks in, and then stretches himself out on the horsehair sofa. Only the ticking of a clock breaks the dark silence. Slowly, the hour hand circles the face again and again, until the first gray streaks of dawn fan out across the horizon. Off in the distance, a cock crows. The black shadows of night vanish, and the sun comes up like a ball of living fire rising higher and higher in the heavens. A short distance from the entrance to the cave of the Buffalo Bones, Kent, Jimmy, Tumbleweed, and Mary Lewis wilt in its blistering heat as they try to unravel the clue written
4: on the third silver arrow. I give up. There ain't no place, nowhere without that boiling sun, no child.
1: Take it easy, Tumbleweed. Let's study the inscription on that arrow again. You got it, Jimmy. Read it once more.
5: Okay. Pace seven to the south and six to the east. Shoot this arrow where the sun shines least.
4: I've done all the pacing I'm a going to do, Mr. Kemp. The sun don't shine least no place, and that's the whole of it.
6: I'm afraid Hummelweed's right. The only place this blazing sun doesn't shine is inside that cave. Well,
1: Mary, you've got it. What's she got, sunstroke? Oh, we're just stupid, that's all. Why didn't one of us think of that before? Think of what? The cave. The sun doesn't shine in there at all. Well, I'll be hogtied. Gosh, do you think... Now, wait. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where's that spot we marked after we paced off the seven and six?
4: Uh, right here. Yeah. Well, I've been standing on it for an hour, looking for some place to shoot this consigned silver arrow.
1: Well, you'll get a chance now. Can you see the entrance to the cave from where you're standing? Huh?
4: No. No. I reckon that kind of messes up the idea. No, it doesn't.
1: Can't you see any of the entrance?
4: Well, just a slit, kind of, over to the left there. Well, shoot the arrow through that slit. Shucks, it ain't no wider than a man's finger. Shoot the arrow through. Well, no hombre can get hung for trying. Stand back.
5: You did it, tumbleweed, right through. Now, let's see what happened. Come on.
4: Well, it seems awful silly to me. I claim call again.
1: Here's
6: the arrow, stuck in the ground just inside the cave. Now, wait a
1: minute. Jimmy, leave it there. It mark's the spot. What spot? I don't know, but we'll find out. We've got to dig.
6: For so buried treasure? Is that it? Is that what you mean? Ah, look
4: at what you've done, Miss Kent. you got Jim all head up about buried treasure. This ain't pirate country.
6: That old prospector, Hopeful, said there was silver buried somewhere. Pounds and pounds of it.
4: Ah, uh, Hopeful was just babbling, ma'am. Like his panning for gold. Ain't nearly a speck of gold in these parts, but Hopeful keeps right on panning and hoping.
6: Well,
8: we've
4: got this far,
1: Tumbleweed, so we might just as well go a little further. The only problem is, what are we going to dig with? must
4: be something back in the cave. I'll have a look here. Got that flashlight we brought along, Jim?
5: Sure. Here.
4: Thanks. I'll see if I can locate some uh, implement.
5: Okay. Mr. Kent, do you really think this is the treasure spot? I don't know, Jimmy. Gosh. What do we do if we find millions of dollars worth of silver? (laughs) We'll decide that after we find it. Tumbleweed? Sure. Anything doing?
4: No, Jim. Hey!
1: Tumbleweed, what happened? Tumbleweed! Something's wrong. You two stay here. I'll be right back. Tumbleweed. All right, tumbleweed. You don't hear Mr. Kim,
7: You watch that hole. I'll get clean to it. What hole? Oh, I see it. Here, raise your hand up. Say, hey, some, some hombre's been living down here. He's got a cook pull and grub, and...
4: Well, I'll be a retail time. What's the matter? There's a mess of them silver arrows down here. What? About 50. Here. Here, give me a hand. I'm coming up. another out Okay, I got you.
3: Uh,
4: here. Here, look at them arrows. Well, you can't
6: look on account of it's dark, but come on out and see. Okay. what happened, Tumbleweed? You yeah, all covered the dirt.
4: Well, that ain't nothing. Look at what I found.
6: Silver
1: arrows. Lots of them. Did you say someone was living under this cave, Tumbleweed? Yep,
4: cook stove, grub, and everything. I reckon it's that bearded hombre what shot a silver in into Old Hopeful.
1: I wouldn't be a bit
5: surprised. Didn't see any shovels or pickaxes down there, did you? No, nary one. Oh, Mr. Kent, no? I know where there's a pickaxe. An old rusty one, but it might do. Where, Jim? Oh, I saw it in the front room of the old hotel yesterday. Mary and I can go up and get it. All right, go ahead. Come on, Mary.
1: If you see our bearded friend, yell. Oh, don't worry, I will.
5: And loud. Gosh, Mary, wouldn't it be great if we found that silver? Lots of it? Yes, it would. What would you do with it, Jimmy? Mm, I don't know. Give it to a hospital or to some place for poor kids. I don't know. You're sweet, Jimmy. Oh, heck. That's what anybody would do. No wonder.
6: Is that building up ahead of the hotel?
5: Uh-huh. I think the pickaxe was in the front room in a corner. I'm sure I saw it. Oh, watch those steps. Cobwebs all over my face. They're awful, aren't they? You're the creeps. Oh, there's the pickaxe.
3: I'll get it. It's rusty, but
5: still good. Well, let's go. Jimmy. What's the matter? white as a sheath. Jimmy,
6: look at that old faded picture on the wall. Over there.
5: It's a picture of a man. What's so strange about it? Jimmy,
6: look at it. Keep looking. The eyes are moving.
1: Well, how would you like to be in Jimmy's place now, staring at an old faded picture hanging on the wall of a ghost town shack, watching the picture's
7: eyes move?
1: Something is going to happen, and happen soon. Will it solve the mystery of Dead Man's Gulch? The next episode winds up the story with an exciting climax, so be on hand to listen in with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman. Look, up in the sky! It's a bird, it's a plane! It's Superman! Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman.
1: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! Earth, it's a plane! It's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, raise a speeding bullet to its target, send steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending
9: battle for truth. And justice!
1: And now to our story. Shot in the back with a silver arrow by Jimmy Olsen's unknown assailant as he was about to reveal the identity of the man whom he had been hiding in the ghost town, Hopeful Jake, the aged prospector, is rushed back to Tumbleweed's ranch unconscious. The following day, Clark Kent, together with Jimmy, Tumbleweed, and Mary Lewis, went back to Dead Man's Gulf to help Mary find the fortune hidden there by her grandfather, the legendary Western Robin Hood known as the Silver Arrow. Their final clue led them to a place called the Cave of the Buffalo Bones, where Kent and Tumbleweed are now searching for the treasure. Meanwhile, in the weather-beaten building that was once a hotel, Jimmy and Mary saw a dust-covered portrait behind the sagging bar. And as they looked at it, the eyes and the painted face began to move. Mary became hysterical, and Jimmy escorted her back to the ranch. We join them now as they talk, while waiting for the doctor to report on Hopeful's condition. Listen
5: I guess you feel mighty proud that your grandfather was the silver arrow after hearing about all the swell things he did for people out here. I am proud of him, too. Much. She was, Mary. Wasn't it a lucky thing you found that letter in your mother's trunk? Now maybe you'll be a millionaire, or a millionaire.
6: <laughs> I don't know that I'll be either one. For all, we haven't found anything yet. And for all we know, if there ever was a buried fortune, somebody else may have stumbled on it long ago. Oh,
5: gosh, that would be awful.
6: Do you think Dr. Malloy's coming out with his I
9: sure hope he's got good news.
6: Today. How is he, Doctor? Will he live?
5: Yes,
9: I'm sure he will.
6: Oh, thank you. May, may we go up to see him now, Doctor?
9: Mm, I think so, but please don't stay long and don't let him talk much. It'll tire us. No, we'll just stay
5: a few minutes. Come on, Mary. Oh, goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, oh, goodbye Dr. Dr. Mallory. Goodbye, Mary.
6: All Remember what the doctor said about me. Yeah, I won't make him
7: talk.
5: Hello, Hopeful.
7: Uh, Howdy, you? Howdy, Miss Murray. all
6: Hopeful.
7: How do you feel? Uh, I feel like I've been skewered and readied for a barbecuing. Yeah, but it takes a lot to kill a That's what I am. Is that your real name? Yep. Jacob, Francis, and Garrity. That's my full handle. But folks never called me nothing but hopeful.
5: Well, that's because you're always hoping
6: to find gold,
2: isn't
7: it? Yep. Always hoping to find something what folks say ain't.
6: I think we better leave
7: now. Oh, the no, 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 wait. I got something to tell you. And something important. Especially to you, Miss Mary.
6: Important to
7: me? Oh, yeah. but so he can keep until later. Dr. Mallory, uh, I ask? don't give a... What like that old sawbone said, I... I gotta get this off my chest now. I've been doing lots of thinking while this... Angel of Death has been trying to make up his mind about me.
6: What's troubling, helpful.
7: Well, so. like I told you last night, before I was stuck with that silver air, I've been hiding a man out at Dead Man's Gulch for many years.
9: Yes, you were going to tell us who he is. No, I'm, I'm,
7: I'm coming to that.
8: Oh, I'm sorry.
7: I got to talk kind of slow, because he's got all of my natural strength. Well, this here yarn goes back many years, to the days just before the silver vein gave out up at Dead Man's Gulch. One night, I was a in my shack, eatin' my supper. When I hear a horse comin' along slow-like, I hear it stop. And then a hombre staggers up to my door, and before he gets to knockin', he pulls up like an empty green sack. I drag him into the shack. While the wounded Hopeful recounts to Jimmy and Mary
1: a story that will reveal the identity of the mysterious inhabitant of the deserted mining town... Kent and Tumbleweed are standing in front of the cave of the buffalo bones near Dead Man's Gulch,
4: trying to solve the riddle of the third silver arrow. Well, that's the fourth time I shot an arrow through that dang slit in the rock. And we ain't found nothing yet. That is nothing but an empty hole in the floor of the cave. I know, Tumbleweed, I know. I can't figure it out. Miss Kent, are you sure we followed them directions like it says in that poem?
9: Sure we did. It says we stepped into the south. We did that, didn't we? Yeah, that's great. All right, now, and face to east. Well, that's east where you've been shooting, isn't it? Yep.
4: Yeah, Do we? Well,
9: maybe it's the uh, last part that's got to stop.
4: You mean about shooting this arrow where the sun shines least?
9: Yeah, Sure, you see, whoever wrote that message neglected to say what time of day to shoot this arrow.
4: Don't get you, Mr. Kent. What's you driving at?
9: Well, don't you see, Tom, we? The position of the sun keeps changing all day as it goes from
4: east to west. That means it may shine east in different places as the hours go by. Well, I'll be hog tied. I'd have never thought of that. Does that mean I got to stand here and shoot this consigned silver arrow at different shady spots till sundown? Well, that's the only way we can. Have... Uh, hey, what was that?
1: Sounds like somebody yelling help.
4: Well, there it is again, coming from the town. That sounds
1: like Jimmy. Come on.
4: How can it be Jimmy? He's back at the ranch with me. Well, he's supposed to be there, but that's his voice. <laughs> he must have
1: come back for some reason. He
4: stopped yelling.
3: Something happened to him. Come on. He came from in here.
4: It is Jimmy.
3: Take your hands off that boy.
1: Why,
4: you longer took the last... I
9: said take
3: your hands off. There.
9: Stand back to me while I keep this man alive. No, yeah, let no, go way. Of me. Let go you yeah. What? Yeah. It must
4: be the fellow that tried to beat up Jimmy last night. Yes.
9: Who are you? What are you doing here? It's none of your business. Get out of here and leave me alone. I... I don't like snoopers. Yes. Tell us who you are, or we'll Wait. turn you.
5: Mr. Kent, don't do anything. I know who he is.
9: I don't know who I am. I don't believe nothing nobody says. Just go away. Leave me alone.
5: Jimmy, how do you know who this man is? Who told you? That's what I came here to tell you. What do you mean? I was looking for you in Tumbleweed in here when he came in and grabbed me before I could say anything you to him. I don't
9: believe nobody. Go away. Leave me alone.
7: He, uh, yeah. yeah, he faded.
9: Yeah,
2: Poor yeah. yeah, old fella.
9: Too much excitement, I guess. Come on, let me put him down here.
5: Shall I go get some water?
9: No, I don't think so. You'll need any, Jimmy. He's coming around, all right.
5: Jimmy,
4: tell us who this hombre is before I bust wide open.
5: Well, his name is Bart Cummings. Bart Cummings? Why, isn't that the name of Mary's grandfather? That's who this man is,
1: Mr. Camp.
4: Then he... He's the Silver Arrow?
1: Why, that can't be
4: possible.
5: The Silver Arrow died long ago.
7: Mary said they hadn't
1: heard
5: from him since long before she was born. Where'd you get this information, Jimmy? Hopeful told Mary and me about it less than an hour ago. He told how this man came to him one day half dead from bulletins, how he nursed him back to health.
4: And what's he doing here, and why is he acting crazy like
5: well, Hopeful said Mr. Cummings sort of lost his mind after his accident and couldn't remember where he'd buried his fortune. But he did remember that he had a fortune somewhere. Yes, so Hopeful, hoping the Silver Arrow would someday find all that money, kept him hidden out here where he spent all his time searching.
4: And that's why old Hopeful got so darn rambunctious when we come out here to look for Silver Arrows.
9: Silver Arrows. Silver arrows. That's it.
4: We've got what he's looking
3: for the Silver Arrows that point to his buried treasure.
9: Silver. Yeah. Uh, where am I? You?
1: We're your friends, Mr. Cummings. We're going to help you find your treasure.
9: Help me? How can you help me?
1: As soon as you've had a rest, we'll show you the three
9: silver arrows you've set out long ago to help locate your treasure.
2: Then we'll
4: help you find it. Well, here's my new car. Motor running and ready to go. Now, get
9: in, Mr. Cummings. Cumbleweed, I don't exactly know how to thank you, Taking care of my granddaughter, Mary, and everything else
6: she does. I can't tell you how grateful I am,
3: too.
4: That's okay, Silver Hour, Mr. Cummings and uh, Miss Murray, but don't thank me. Mr. Kent and Jimmy and Hopeful have done everything for you.
3: Uh, Hopeful is the only one who really did
4: a lot for Mr. Cummings.
7: You don't thank me plenty. That bag full of silver dollars ain't exactly no horse fodder. (laughs) You certainly look elegant all decked out in your new mail-order
9: clothes. Mm You sure do look prosperous, too. Mm Yes. You reckon I do, sure not. I huh? certainly do. Ain't no use saying no more now. I reckon I can not never say enough to show you all how I feel
4: inside. Oh, it's not nothing at all. We had us lots of fun of doing what we did. Hey, Jimmy?
9: Huh? Oh,
6: yes. Well, Jimmy, what's the matter? Haven't you got anything to say even about Tumbleweed's new car?
4: Yeah, Jim. Ain't you going to say nothing about being the first to ride in it?
6: Oh, sure. Yeah, it's
9: swell. Well... I'm afraid Jimmy feels pretty bad about leaving here, but no more than I do, believe me. Why? Right.
4: I know, Jim, lad. Ain't none of you feel no worse than me, but he'll be coming back soon again, I hope.
9: Well, it's getting late, Tumbleweed. We'd better get going if we don't want to miss that train.
4: All right, right, Mr. Kent. Come on, Hopal. Get aboard. No,
9: no, I ain't a-going. Hey, hopefully. ain't you going to come and see me off, or... I kind of miss you, you ornery old chaios. No, no, I can't
7: go. Got work to do.
9: Work? What kind of work? You can't do anything in those shiny new clothes?
7: I sure can. I got to go back to panning for gold in the creek. You can't never tell when I'll strike a bonanza. But you know nobody's never found no gold there. That ain't nothing. I can keep on panning and hoping...
2: Here <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: And so, with hopeful Jake returning to his hopin' and tannin, the mystery of the silver arrow is cleared up. Mary takes her aged grandfather, who has recovered his sanity as well as his fortune, to live with her in the East. As Jimmy and Kent return to the Daily Planet, where another, even more thrilling adventure awaits them. Don't fail to tune in again to hear the start of a new, exciting story with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky! It's a
1: bird! It's a plane!
2: It's Superman! Superman!
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman! It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth. And justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. Having returned from the West where he solved the mystery of the Silver Arrows, Clark Kent, star reporter for the Daily Planet newspaper, in reality Superman, found himself involved in another baffling problem. Reports from Washington have revealed that two separate expeditions of American engineers sent to survey the possibilities of building a pan-American highway to join North and South America in an everlasting bond of friendship, have disappeared in the awesome, windswept wilderness of the Andes Mountains, vanished as if into thin air, blotted from the face of the earth. As our story begins, a powerful car is threading its way through the city of Metropolis. In it are three familiar figures. At the wheel, gray-haired Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet. And beside him, in the front seat, Lois Lane and Clark Kent. It is almost midnight. I tell you, it doesn't make sense. Two expeditions of trained engineers just can't lose their way like babes in the woods.
10: Have you ever seen the Andes Mountains, Mr. White?
1: What's that got to do with it?
10: Plenty. Those mountains are wild, unexplored, practically uncharted. Any one of a million things could have happened.
1: I can understand one party of men getting lost, but not two. Lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place. What do you think, Kent? I think you ought to stop for that red light up ahead.
10: What's happened to your
1: voice, Clark? I'm just a little hoarse. I've been dictating all that war news over the phone since early this morning. But to get back to your question, Mr. White, frankly, I don't know what to think. Oh, green light. You can go now. I see it. I see it. All right.
10: Incidentally, where are we going at this hour of the night? You'll
1: find out in good time. Try being patient for a little while.
10: I can be patient. I'd like to know what's important enough to make you drive like a maniac. You're doing 70. Well,
1: we lost a lot of time in traffic, and the faster we go, the sooner we'll get there. Yes, but
10: the faster we go, the less chance we have of getting anywhere. Hey, Mr. White, your headlights are off.
1: That's right. I turned them off. Here on, I don't want to be seen.
10: Now, look, Mr. White, enough is enough. You can put your dimmers on. How
1: many times do I have to tell you I don't want to be seen? Kent, Hmm? there should be a faint blue light somewhere up ahead. Watch out for it, will you? I don't want to miss it. Okay. I see it, Mr. White. Over there on the left, between the trees. Where? I don't see it.
10: I can't even see my hand in front of my face. Oh, there it is. See, to the left.
1: Well, you're right, Kent. You've got good eyes. That means that this is our stopping place. All right, now let's get out.
10: Hey, where are we, anyway? Mr. White, I hear footsteps. Someone's coming. I tell you, someone's coming. Come
1: on. Quiet, Lloyd, will you? Now, that you, Bronson? Yes, Mr. White. You're right on time. Well, let's get started. Lead the way, Brunson. Come on, Kent. Lois. Okay. I hate to use the flashlight, but I'll shine it down so you can see.
10: What's he saving that light for, Christmas?
1: Lois, will you get it through your head that we don't want to be seen?
10: Way out here in the woods, who's going to see us? rabbits? What's that up ahead?
1: Yeah, it looks like a big plane. It is.
10: Well, what's it doing here?
1: Now your curiosity can be relieved. Candace right. it is a big plane and a new kind of stratosphere ship. That's the reason for all this secrecy. If it's half as good as the designer says it is, it'll be just what we'll need for those Andes mountains.
10: Don't tell me we're flying to the Andes tonight.
1: Lois, will you stop being so silly? Bronson, is she ready for a test flight? Hold up, Mr. White. Hop in. Come on, Lois. Up you go.
9: That's right.
1: Mr. White, want a hand? Who do you think I am? Steady, sir. All right? Of course I'm All right foot slip, that's all. All right. Well, fire blind. I don't want to attract attention with the field lights. Everyone in? Yes. Sounds mighty sweet, Mr. White. Special motors? Everything on it is special. It's supposed to be capable of more speed at a higher altitude than any ship ever flown. Give her the gun, Bronson. a giant steel bird pierces the curtain of night and roars upward on its test flight, a strange and significant scene is taking place in the Hemisphere Administration Building in Washington. Outside the offices of John Ives, Administration Director, a large group of newspaper men wait impatiently for his report on the mysterious disappearances in the Andes Mountains. Within the offices, however, Mr. Ives paces nervously back and forth in the radio room.
7: Keep trying, Evans. They must answer. I've got to answer.
8: Official 177 calling G33. Come in, G33. Official 177 calling G33.
7: Come in, G33.
8: I'm sorry, sir. There's no response.
7: Well, I can't stall any longer. I'll have to go out there
8: and face them. Keep trying, Evans. Yes, sir. All right, well, 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 all, right all right, all right. I'm coming. calling G33. Come in, G33. Here, here, here. Well,
2: gentlemen.
7: We've been waiting almost two hours, Mr. Ives. This story is holding
1: up morning papers clear across the country. Now watch cooking. I'm afraid there's nothing I can tell you, gentlemen.
2: Now one moment,
1: please. As you know, an hour ago we were in shortwave communication with G-33,
7: the third and last party of the Trans-Hemisphere expedition. They informed us they were climbing in the Tupangato region, where the other two parties disappeared. Yes, I regret to report that our communications with G-3-3 have been broken.
1: Oh, no. Mr. Ives, the public can't be fooled any longer. Now, what happens? Why don't you tell us the truth? Gentlemen, I'm telling you the truth. Well, nobody believes it. People aren't going to swallow that story, Mr. Ives. They don't believe it about two expeditions, and they highly expect to believe it about the third.
8: Why don't you admit it's the work of Fifth Colony? Because that's
1: not true. Well, why don't you tell us what you do know, then? Those expeditions are lost. Something happened. American people have a right to know. Oh,
4: certainly. Well, I agree, gentlemen.
1: But I don't know a thing more than you do. Then we'll have to say that the third expedition disappeared. And the government isn't doing anything about it. We're doing everything we can. I give you my word.
7: Now, that's all for tonight, yes, and uh, That's quite oh, enough.
4: My, uh, Any luck, Evans? No, sir. Well, keep trying, Evans. Those
7: newspaper reporters are driving me crazy. If we don't contact that expedition soon, I don't know what I'll do. Oh, wait a minute. There's one
4: newspaper man who might be able to help. Clark Kent of the Daily Planet. Hand me that phone, Evans. Yes, sir, here it is. Operator. Operator, get
1: me Clark Kent at the Daily Planet in Metropolis.
7: Yes, that's right. I'll hold it.
1: the altitude now, Bronson? 19,000. Speed, 455. You mean we're climbing that fast? That's right, Mr. Kent. She's not wide open.
10: Stuffing in here? I'm getting a little
1: dizzy. How about some oxygen, Bronson? Right.
10: Much better. What's the altitude now?
1: Almost 22,000 meters. Is she straining, Bronson? Riding easy as a kite. Then she's sold. Tell Hendricks I'll mail him my check in the morning. Yes, sir. Uh, try the radio cam. Sure. What do you want to hear? Jack Benning. Don't be silly. This is a short wave set. See if you can get Washington. It's marked on the dial. Yes, here it is.
8: Come
1: in, G33. Official 177
8: calling. Come in, g 3 Official
10: 177
1: calling. What's official 177? Government call
8: others. Wait a
1: minute. Mr. White, what were the radio call letters of the first trans-hemisphere expedition? g 3 one the second expedition was G32. Well, listen to this. I'll turn it up.
8: 177
10: calling G33. Official 177 calling G33. Come in, please. That's
1: Washington calling the third expedition. There's no answer. You're right, boss. G33 must be the call letters of the third expedition. If that one's lost, too. Kent, turn the transmitter on. We'll call Washington. All right. Mr. White, uh, you can't transmit. This plane isn't registered yet. I lose my license. Please, Mr. White, stop it. Now, don't worry about your license. If you get into any trouble, I'll take care of it. This happens to be important. Uh, let me have a phone again. Here you are. Private plane calling official 177. Private plane calling official 177.
8: Hello, private plane. Stop transmitting. Clear this wavelength.
2: Urgent official business. Clear this wavelength. Please,
1: Mr. White, there'll be an awful row about this. Quiet, Bronson, will you? I'm going to speak to them. Official 177. Perry White calling. Perry White, editor of Metropolis Daily Planet. Come in, official 177. Let's hear what they've got to say.
8: Official 177 back to Perry White. Stand by Perry White for a message from Hemisphere Administration. Message reads, it's Clark Kent with you. I will repeat, it's Clark Kent with you. If they want
1: you, Kent, take it. Okay. Clark Kent speaking. Ready for message. Come in, please.
8: Official 177 back to Clark Kent. Instructions from Ives at Hemisphere Administration message reads, Clark Kent, proceed to Washington immediately. I will repeat, Clark Kent, proceed to Washington immediately. Confirm receipt of message. Come in.
1: Clark Kent, back to official 177. Message received. Will proceed as directed.
8: Clear this wavelength. Urgent official. Come in, G-33. Come in, G-33. Turn
1: it off. Bronson, head the ship for Washington. Mr. White, we can't land there. I told you, this ship hasn't been registered yet. Bronson, do as I say. We'll land Kent in Washington. We're on official business, and incidentally, the biggest story of the year. Will Clark Kent be able to solve the baffling riddle that involves both North and South America? What has happened to the men who were sent into the towering Andes Mountains? Where have they vanished to? Don't miss the startling developments and the exciting international drama that looms ahead. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky. It's
1: a bird. It's a plane.
2: It's Superman.
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater.
1: Presenting the transcription feature,
3: Superman!
2: Look, up in the sky! It's a
3: bird! It's a plane! It's
2: Superman!
1: Yes, it's Superman! Strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can leap tall buildings of a single bound, race a feeding bullet to its target, then steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, Listen. And now to our story. America has been shocked to learn of the mysterious disappearance of three parties of engineers who, under orders from the Hemisphere Administration in Washington, have gone into the Andes Mountains to survey the possibility of building a new highway between North and South America. To solve the mystery, Perry White, editor of the Daily Planet, has bought a stratoplane in which he hopes to fly to South America, cross the Andes, and discover the truth behind the missing expedition. With him on the test flight of the amazingly powerful plane are Lois Lane and Clark Kent. When they turn on the shortwave radio, they learn that John Ives, Hemisphere Administration Director, wants Clark Kent in Washington. White instructs the pilot to head the ship toward Washington so that Kent can report. We find him now in the private office of the director, John Ives. Kent, I'll be very brief. Yes, sir. You have a splendid record as a troubleshooter. I admire the work you did for the Navy Department. Thank you. You've been a great help to us. Heaven knows we need help now, desperately. You mean on this South American case? Exactly. <laughs> Most completely baffling thing I've ever run up against. Oh, are you uh, well enough to assist me? You seem to have a bad cold. Oh, no, I'm just a little horse. I've been dictating war news all day. Oh. Of course, I'll have to check with my editor, Perry White, about getting a leave of absence. Oh, naturally, naturally. Now, you can take care of that later. Now, you know the background of the case, don't you? Uh, yes, but... Uh... But, uh, what, Kent? Speak up. Well, to be perfectly honest, sir, I've had a feeling that perhaps the government hasn't disclosed everything it knows about the case. Well, I don't blame you, Kent. It seems fantastic that we should know absolutely nothing. But it's the truth. Of course, Kent, don't think we expect you to accomplish miracles. After all, you're not, uh, Superman.
3: Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, of course not. But you can be sure I'll do my best. Uh, when
1: do I leave? Leave? Yeah. Where to? Well, South America. Oh, now, hold on a minute, Kent. You don't understand. What do you mean? I don't want you to go to South America. I need you here in Washington. But those engineers disappeared in the Andes. How can I help find them in Washington? Kent, searching parties are absolutely useless. We don't want to lose any more lives by sending out more expeditions. Those mountains are treacherous. We're up against something unknown, something uncanny. We need a theory, Kent. We've got to be armed with knowledge to tackle this job properly. It's foolish to go on squandering human lives. We've got to think this thing out. I understand. I'm sorry I jumped to conclusions. Of course, I'll help you any way I can. Good. Now, now, I suggest you return to Metropolis, get matters straightened out with your editor, pack some things, and return here as soon as possible. Right. I'll get going now. I can arrange to have you flown to Metropolis and back if you wish. Well, thanks. But if you don't mind, I'll use the ordinary means of transportation. Oh, suit yourself. Just get back as... As soon as you can. I will,
3: sir. Goodbye. Goodbye.
10: Yes?
8: Press room, sweetie pie. We're closing the extra in two minutes. Can you make it? Yes,
10: if you stop calling me every ten seconds. Yeah. Copy, boy. Here, rush this downstairs. Oh, just any And hurry. Oh, okay. Well, that's that. Never a dull moment. Well, if it isn't the wizard of Washington himself. Well, what brings you back so soon, Mr. Kent? Now
3: I have to speak to Mr. White. Is he in his office?
10: No, he drove back to the airport. He took Jimmy Olsen with him. They're loading stuff on the plane. Mr. White wanted to leave as soon as you got back. Now that you're here, we can start immediately.
1: Well, uh, I can't go. Why not? They want me back in Washington to work on this South American case.
10: What good will you do? I. Because I didn't really mean to say that. Say, have you taken anything for that throat of yours?
1: No, it'll clear up. How soon will Mr. White be back?
10: I don't know. That depends on how long it takes to get the plane ready.
1: Oh, wait a minute. It sounds like Mr. White's yeah, voice. He must be back.
8: Four, catcher,
1: I walk out of the place for a couple of hours and the whole paper goes to pot. Uh, oh, hello, Kent. Hello, Mr. White. May I uh, see you alone for a yes, moment? Yes, yes, yes. Come on in. Uh, Lois, you send for your baggage?
10: Yes, down downstairs. Good.
1: Jimmy! Of all the slow folks in the world, he's the worst.
10: Jimmy! Coming. Just a minute.
5: You told me to put that stuff in the car. That's where I've been. Oh, Mr. Kent. Now, look here, you young, irresponsible rascal. he well, be... whiz, Mr. White. What did I do wrong now? All right,
1: all right. Stop blabbering. I just want you to be sure that I have a copy of the extra as soon as it comes off the press. Come on, Ken. Okay. Yes? This is O'Brien
3: in the press room, Mr. White. We just got the extra rolling.
1: All right. Stop bragging. The extra on the disappearance of the third expedition will oh. be on the street before any paper in town. Hm, not bad. <laughs> you mean the staff of the planet isn't a slow-moving gang of nitwits? Who said that? You did. Huh? Oh, well, <laughs> that's different. If I don't yell my head off all the time, they'll think I'm getting soft. Now, I couldn't consider flying down to South America if I weren't so sure that the planet would keep on going full steam ahead without me. You've got a great bunch here, Kent. But you're fired if you tell anyone I said so. <laughs> Well, no? what happened in Washington? Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Ives asked me to work with him on this South American case. What are you talking about? You work for the Daily Planet, Kent. Well, I know. But... You're leaving for South America with Lois and me right now. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. White. I'm going back to Washington. Against my orders? Put it that way if you like. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kent. I I counted on having you along on this trip. I'm going to be any tea party. No, tell- no telling what kind of trouble we'll run into. And, well, I, I'm not as young as I used to be. Oh, gosh, Mr. White, I'd give anything to be able to go along. You don't think I like to sit behind a desk in Washington, do you? I just happen to believe that my first duty is to the government. Of course. Of course, Kent. You're right. I, I'm i sorry I was unreasonable. Well, I want to get started before daylight. Lois, come in here. Uh, Mr. White, there's something I want to ask you. Hmm? What is it? Well, I realize that you want to keep the trip a secret, but if you run into any trouble, if anything unusual happens, will you radio me at Washington? That's an odd request, Kent. I'm figuring on a scoop, you know. I know, but... if we find anything that makes a good story, why should I let it slip through my fingers? Because it may give us a clue. Those disappearances are closely connected with the government's goodwill program in South America. Besides, I promise you I'll keep any information you give me a secret. All right, Kent, I agree. Good. Our first duty is to the government always. You want me, Mr.
10: White?
1: Yes. Get ready. We're leaving immediately. I'm
5: all set. Get the extra, Mr.
1: White. All right. Hmm. Not bad. Not bad at all. Good story, Lost.
10: Thank you, Mr. White. First time you ever said that.
1: Uh, it's probably the first time you ever deserved it. Jimmy?
10: Yes, Mr. White?
1: Now, here's an envelope I want you to give to the assistant managing editor tomorrow. It contains sealed instructions. You guard it carefully. If anybody asks where we are, remember, you don't know. Well, I guess that's all. Goodbye, Kent. Do a good job in Washington. Thank you. Say goodbye. Uh, so long, Lois. Good
5: luck.
10: Goodbye, Clark. We'll miss you. Goodbye, Jimmy. Go
5: so on, Lois. This is no time to
2: gas.
5: I guess you wish you were going along, don't you, Mr. Kent? Yeah, I sure do, Jimmy. Lois told me you had to go to Washington. She was, everybody's going away but me. <laughs> I'm kind of worried, too. I mean about Lois and Mr. White.
3: what do you mean, Jimmy?
5: Oh, hey, listen to that thunder. All right, all right. Well, when I was helping to load the plane, I saw a strange-looking guy hanging around. Uh Huh? Yeah, he was dressed in a long coat, and he had his hat pulled down over his eyes.
1: Are you sure it wasn't Bronson, the pilot, in his flying
5: suit? Oh, no, this bird was tall. He went away after a while.
1: Hmm. Well, I wouldn't worry about it if I were you, Jimmy? Well, after have to be getting back to Washington. Now, you help the assistant editor all you can and stick close to the phone because I may need you. Yes, sir. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a storm coming up. They take off,
9: all right. Come along,
8: Jimmy.
7: Come on, Mr. Yeah, it's a bad storm, Brunson. How about planning over?
1: I think it was enough to bother about. Uh, I moved it a little in. All right, we're climbing. We're above the storm now, aren't we? Yes, but I can't level off. If I'm pulling the hotter, I'll snap the controls. Something's jammed. Why don't you cut the motors? We'd spin with the tail elevators in this position. I'm uh, still climbing. We're at 17,000.
10: That
1: listen. It's horrible. Like a like a weird flute. Well, what is it, Bronson? I don't know. Never heard anything like it. We're at 19,000. We need oxygen. Open that valve, Mr. White. All right. Why, well, it's not working. It's got to work. Hurry. We're still climbing. We must have oxygen. The indicators are at zero. The containers are empty. That's impossible. I checked them myself an hour ago. Mr. White, I. I feel pain. Watcher. Gotcha. I've got it. We'll have to bail out. You can't bail out. We're too high up. We'd never make it at this altitude. You need oxygen. I still can't move the controls. Keep trying. I'm going to call Washington before it's too late. I'm getting weak myself. There it is. It's on. Calling official 177. Hemisphere Administration. Distress call. Daily Planet Plane. Controls are jammed. Need oxygen.
7: Has the tragic
1: flight of Perry White's strata ship, any connection with the disappearance of the three expeditions in the Andes Mountains? And what are the strange flute-like noises that echo through the cabin as the giant seal bird climbs higher and higher? It's almost unconscious passengers in deadly peril, gasping for oxygen. The mystery deepens, so don't miss a single startling episode. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky.
1: It's a bird. It's a plane.
2: It's Superman.
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
8: Behold, my precious.
3: Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha! Uh-huh. It's the Loot
0: Crate subscription box, yeah! With exclusive loot box surprises prizes to on door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy, uh-huh. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible
2: boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! To
0: the Loot what's with cuts huh? starting as large as a Monday on per month, Those are facts just about for all collectors To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, no, it's Superman.
1: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman!
2: Look, up in the sky!
1: It's a bird, it's a plane,
8: it's Superman! Yes, it's
1: Superman! Superman! strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. With its controls mysteriously jammed, Perry White's stratoship ship soars higher and higher to almost certain disaster. Inside the plane, Lois Lane, Bronson the pilot, and Perry White are slowly sinking into unconsciousness because of the lack of oxygen. Gasping for breath, Perry White turns on the plane's shortwave transmitter and sends a distress call. Meanwhile, not having been able to join White and Lois in their search for the American engineers who disappeared somewhere in the Andes Mountains, Clark Kent has returned to Washington to begin his duties in the Secret Service Division of Hemisphere Administration, a department of the government concerned with defense and goodwill between North and South America. We join him as he enters the radio room, where Evans, the operator, is seated at a control panel. Oh, hello, Mr. Kent.
9: Hello, Evans. Anything doing yet?
1: Oh, no, sir. Not a word from G-33. Oh? Uh-huh. Say, what's the matter with your voice?
9: What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> just a bit hoarse from dictating too much war news over the phone. Now what's the situation here? Well,
1: all we've been getting is code from South American freighters.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I guess that third expedition is lost, too. I call them on the hour. It's almost time now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, about two minutes. Mm-hmm. Say, why don't you put the call through? Maybe you'll have better luck. Okay. How do you work it? Well, you turn
8: to 1780 on the middle dial. That
1: one. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, fine. Why don't you go out for a smoke or some fresh air? Thanks. I will. Be back in five minutes. Right, oh.
3: Uh, let's see, 1780. There it is. Mr. White will probably use that G33 wavelength too. What if he's transmitting? I'm try a little more volume. Still
1: climbing. Need oxygen. What's that? Controls still jammed. What? Strange noises outside cabin. Can't hold out much longer. Location: 1800 miles south southwest of Metropolis. It's hey, Scott. Calling
8: official one. 7-7. Seven, Harry seven.
3: White calling the city. White. Right. One. Well, two, why don't they bail seven. out? Well, they're probably too high. What am I waiting for? This is no time to be sitting here. Only a few seconds left to make it. See now, 1,800 miles south-southwest of Metropolis and still climbing. Needs means an extra hard spurt for Superman.
1: Hope it isn't too late. Up. Up. And away. Piercing the air with the speed of a thunderbolt darting through mile-high clouds, onward and onward, almost too fast for the human eye to see him, Superman charges through space. Battering winds tear at his wide red cape, but nothing stops him, nothing swerves him from his course. A thousand miles with the unflagging speed of a bullet, 1,400, 1,500, wait, what's that? The plane, very white stratoship, like a mad monster bird still climbing into the heavens. Hold on, they've cut the engine. The plane falters. The nose is beginning to point down. She's going into a spin. Down and down. She'll never come out of it. Her wings will tear off. Wait. What's that speck in the sky? It's Superman. Can he see the falling plane? He's circling around and around. Yes, he sees it. He's plunging down. He's caught up with the plane. There, he's on the fuselage, crawling toward the tail. But what's happening inside? Are Perry White and Bronson still conscious?
3: As though it caused this trouble Johnson Johnson How your your controls again No Still stuck I can't
9: move them
1: Listen I feel like noise It's stopped The controls are free They work It's on a level out of the spin We've got plenty of altitude We ought to be able to make it I'll turn on the ignition We're pulling out of it
2: We've
1: leveled off. We're safe. Oh, thank heaven there's plenty of air down here. Now, I'll have a look at Lois. We'll rub her wrists to restore circulation. Lois. Lois. The color's coming back to her cheeks. Lois, everything's all right. We're safe. What happened? Well, Bronson cut the engine and we started to spin. Then the controls became free. Landed as soon as possible and checked
10: That noise. Dog.
1: Yes, yes, we're all right now. Now breathe deeply.
10: Oh, I feel better already. Look outside the cabin of face.
1: Where? Oh, I don't see anything. Take it easy, Lois. You're, you're a bit unstrung.
10: No, I'm not, Mr. White. I saw a face. I'm sure I did. Easy,
1: Lois. Easy. As the stratoship flies safely on toward the horizon, Superman turns and streaks back to Washington, carrying with him a strange piece of wood that had been jammed into the control cables of the plane. In the office of the administration director, John Ives, disguised once more as Clark Kent, he shows the piece of wood to Doctor Coulson, curator of the National Museum.
3: Now where did you get this flute, Mister Kent? Is uh, uh, that stick of wood a flute, Doctor Coulson? That's exactly what it is, Mister Ives. but you haven't answered my question, Mister Kent. Now, where did you get it? I'd
1: rather not say, Doctor. Now, look here, Kent. You've got to be more cooperative. I asked Doctor Coulson over here at your request. He was good enough to drop all his work at the museum to meet with us, and now you refuse to answer a simple question. But, Mr. Besides, there's a rather strange coincidence about all this. I didn't tell you because I regarded it as being unimportant, but all three of the expeditions that were lost in the Andes reported hearing eerie flute-like noises just before we lost contact with them. What? And now you walk in
3: with a flute. That's amazing. uh, Where did you get it, Mr. Kent?
1: Well, I don't want to appear stubborn or uncooperative, but I just can't answer that question now. Well, then why are you wasting Dr. Colson's time with a ridiculous toy flute? I'd hardly call
3: it a toy, Mr. Allen. This happens to be a very good copy of an ancient Inca tribal flute. If it were authentic, it would be one of the greatest historical discoveries of all time. Oh? Why, Dr.
1: Colson? Kent, this happens to be a very busy department, not a personal history class for you.
3: No, no, that's a logical question, Mr. Ives. Let me answer it. Oh, very well. Now, as you see, Mr. Kent, this flute is made of wood, of the Cypress's macocapa family. Hard, but perishable. I see. After 400 years, it couldn't possibly remain in this condition. Part of it would have blotted away. Uh, don't you see that? If this flute is authentic... Go on, Dr. Coulson. It means that it was made less than 400 years ago. Yes. And therefore, the lost Inca civilization did not die. It means that somewhere, somehow, it continued, unknown to the rest of the world. And that the lost Inca nation may still exist. That one of the greatest and richest of the ancient civilizations may still be alive. It's fantastic. It's... uh, it's utterly impossible. But if that flute were real, it, it wouldn't be impossible, would it? No, no, but there isn't a ghost of a chance of its being real. Men have searched for centuries. And found nothing, I know. Then why wouldn't it be worth a little time to check this yourself? Well, I, I suppose I might. How would you do it? Well, first of all, I'd put it under an infrared ray. Yes. That would disclose the presence of any false markings or material. I see. Microscopic examination would show if these carvings were made with the proper kind of knife. Then there are acid tests and dye tests. And there's no chance of making a mistake. How long would your tests take? Oh, who knows, maybe five minutes, maybe five days. I'll go back to the museum now and make a preliminary examination. All right. If I find anything of interest, which I doubt, I have told you. Otherwise, I'll get in touch with you or Mr. Ives sometime tomorrow. Good. Well, goodbye, Mr. Kent. Bye, uh, sir. Take my advice and don't hold out any hope on this. Goodbye, Mr. Ives. Goodbye, Dr. Colson. I'm sorry. Oh, perfectly all right. I understand.
1: Now, see here, Kent, I've stood about as much of this nonsense as I'm going to.
3: But I I asked
1: you to come to Washington to assist me. I thought you had brains, courage, foresight. Instead, you waste my time with nonsense. Well, Mr. Ives, if you'll only give me a chance, I don't think I've wasted your time. Oh, you don't? No. You walk in here with a ridiculous wooden flute. You kill the whole afternoon. You break up my day and Dr. Colson's, and you have the nerve to say you haven't wasted time. But if... Why, there are nine great American engineers somewhere out in the Andes. Maybe breathing their last at this very moment. 130 million people are waiting for this department to act, to do something, to help find those men. And you're playing around with flutes. Mr. Ives, I haven't forgotten those men for one second. You said you had to have a theory before you act. You said this case required brain work. Yes, and the lot you're doing about it. Brain work, Kent, not flute work. Maybe you're running a fever over that, that bad throat of yours. Oh, no, no, Mr. Ives. Don't uh... you see what a clue that flute may be? The Inca Indians vanished in South America. Well, now look. Where could they vanish more completely than in the Andes Mountains? Wild, unexplored, vast mountains of granite. It's the perfect hiding place. Kent, you're out of your mind. You yourself said that the expeditions reported weird flute-like noises just before radio contact was broken. Kent, I think this has gone far enough. I refuse to listen to any more of this crack brain talk. I, I but... don't think the Hemisphere Administration Office has any further need for your service.
9: No, mister, You I'm... can
1: leave for Metropolis immediately. And I warn you, I don't want you to meddle in this case. Those are my official instructions. All right, Mr. Ives. That's the way you feel about it. That's exactly the way I feel about it.
2: Goodbye. Stupid pity.
1: Up, Yes.
3: Mr. Ives, this is Mr. Kent here. This is Doctor Cole.
1: No, I just got rid of him. What's that? It's
3: absolutely incredible.
1: What's incredible, Colson? What are you talking about? The
3: anchor flute.
1: Well, what about it? I thought I heard the end of that flute. It's
3: real, Ives. It's
1: authentic. Uh, Are you sure?
3: Absolutely.
1: For heaven's sake, find Kent. We must know where that flute came from. a hurricane. All right, I'll find him.
3: Kent! Mr. Kent! Look, where are you? Mr. Mr. Kent!
1: The lives of nine American engineers hang in the balance. Will one of the world's greatest historical secrets go unsolved? And what is happening to Perry White and Lois Lane as their stratoplane comes ever nearer the danger zone in the Andes Mountains? Follow the amazing developments as the mystery deepens in this strange international drama. Don't miss the thrills and excitement ahead. Tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman!
2: Up in the sky!
3: It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman!
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics Magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: And who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our story. When Perry White's super stratoplane was in danger of disaster with its controls mysteriously jammed, Superman flew to its rescue from Washington and found a strange flute jammed into the controls. Kent believes the flute is the clue to the mystery surrounding the disappearance of three expeditions to South America. However, John Ives, Kent's superior, disagrees and dismisses Kent. But later that night, Ives learns the astounding fact that the flute is a real Inca relic and that the vanished civilization of the Incas may still exist. Realizing he has made a blunder, Ives tries desperately to locate Kent. Hello, hello, operator. Operator! Oh, operator. Uh, Get me Captain Watson, Washington Police. And hurry, I'll hold on. Oh, why did I ever let him get out of my sight? Hello, Uh, hello, hello, Watson. This is John Ives. Now listen, a man named Clark Kent has just left the Hemisphere Administration Building. I want him picked up. Oh, he can't be far away. He's a a reporter, over six feet, wears glasses, he had a gray suit on, dark hair. Huh? Oh, I don't remember the color of his eyes. Get going, Watson, and don't fail me. It's a matter of life and death. (coughs)
8: Calling car 622 Proceed to Washington Airport Cover all outgoing flights for Clark Kent Calling car 623 Cover route 19 Search every car for Clark Kent Car 627 Cover route 4 Same instructions Car 628 Continue searching
5: In there. Open up or I'll
2: call the
5: police. Say, what's the big eye... Oh, Mr. Ken. Oh, Jim? What are you doing back in Metropolis? Well, uh, that's a long story. I came back last night and locked myself in his office to study some maps. Oh, gosh. They've been trying to locate you since six o'clock last night. Oh? I thought maybe it was because of the Japanese war. I thought maybe they wanted you to go to Honolulu or the Philippines. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean they've been looking for me? Who's they? Oh, well, a man named Ives called here a dozen times. What? He said if we heard from you, they'd tell you to return to Washington at once. He said it was a matter of life and death. Ah. What's wrong, Mr. Kent?
3: Well, nothing's wrong, Jimmy. I'll just have to get back to Washington.
5: Gosh, I was beginning to get worried. Oh, nothing to worry about. Well, with this war and everything, I didn't know what to think. Mr. Kent. Yes, Jimmy? What about Lois and Mr. White? Are they safe down in South America? I think so. Gosh, everything's so mixed up. There's no chance of our losing this war, is there, Mr. Kent?
1: Jimmy, America's never lost a war. We don't approve of fighting, but there's a limit to our patience. Those Japanese traitors fired the first shot, but I can promise you America will fire the last.
5: You won't get mad if I tell you something, will you, Mr. Kent? What is it, Jim? Well, I... I... tried to enlist in the Navy yesterday. Jimmy! I knew I didn't have a chance, but... Jimmy, I... I'm proud of you. Yeah, but what good does it do? You told me to go home and grow up. See, that's the trouble... I want to do something to help out, but I'm too young. I'm only 14. Well, I'll tell you how you can help. You know, it takes a
1: lot of money to support an army and a navy, Jim. Billions and billions of dollars. The United
5: States needs every penny it can lay its hands on. I know what you're going to say, but I've already done that. I was saving up for a bicycle, but I took the money out of the bank yesterday. $19.50 and bought defense savings stamps. Good boy. My mother bought two defense savings bonds. Well, then you are helping. Oh, but it's not enough, Mr. Kent. I'd like to really go out there and fight. You've got something to fight for. You certainly have, Jimmy. But everyone can't be on the front lines. America
1: needs men behind the guns, and you can be one of them. Now, I've got to get back to Washington immediately, but I want you to get all your friends together, every fellow and girl who would like to help fight part of the battle for freedom. You get them to buy defense savings stamps and tell them to ask their mothers and dads to buy defense savings bonds. And you can call your organization the, uh, Well, the
5: Junior Defense League of America... Gee, that's a swell name. Junior Defense League of America. I'll do it, Mr. Kent. Good. I'll get Jackie Kelk and Buzz Manners and Tiny Reed and... I'll get them all. boy. I'll call you from Washington tomorrow and you can tell me how things are going. Now I'd like to study these maps before I leave. Okay, I won't bother you. Okay. So long, Mr. Kent, and thanks for the swell idea.
3: So long, Jimmy. I'll be seeing you soon. Well, this country doesn't have to worry. Not when we've got boys like Jimmy growing up.
9: Well, i better
1: get going. Something must have happened to change the complexion of things in Washington. Ives needs me. It must be important. Uh, I guess this window's the best way out. Won't take long to get there as Superman.
9: Up, up,
1: and away! John Ives, Vicky. Ken is out here to see you. Mr. Kent, send him in, send him in. Kent, man, where in the name of heaven have you been?
9: Sorry, I thought it any
1: trouble, Mr. I. Oh, forget I... it. Here, that's what counts. Sit down, sit down. Well, this certainly takes a load off my mind. I, I was going mad, Ken, simply mad. Well, it's all over. I, I want to apologize for my hastings. Oh. It was wrong, horribly wrong. That's quite all right. Oh,
8: no, I, I never should
1: have acted that way, but I was nervous and unstrung. See, Kent, you were right. That flute you brought in was authentic, a genuine Inca-Indian flute. You mean that, Mr. Ives? Yes, Dr. Coulson called a moment after you left. Since then, he's checked and double-checked. It's genuine, all right.
3: And that means the Inca civilization thought to have been wiped out still exists. It means that
1: somewhere in the Andes Mountains dwells a race of people that have been lost for centuries. Why do you say that? I'll tell you why. That flute, Mr. Ives, was found jammed into the control cables of a private plane bound for the Andes Mountains... To search for the lost American engineers, huh? and it was placed there by an Inca Indian to wreck that plane. Yes.
7: this is all amazing, fantastic, like
1: Yes, but no more fantastic than the possibility that the Inca race still exists. Matter of fact, I'm convinced the Incas were responsible for the disappearance of those engineers who went to South America to build the Pan-American Highway. Well, Cantwell, what do you suggest? That I leave for South America immediately, provided the war hasn't made that impossible. Impossible? Of course not. Can't you, you go? And good luck to you. I'll see that you have an army plane and a pilot. Well, I would need the pilot. I hold a transport like Well, you enough. must have a co-pilot. Air Corps regulations. Oh. I'll arrange for the plane immediately and send Lieutenant Elliot with you. All He's right. one of the best men we have here in the service. Operator? Hello, Operator. Oh, yeah. Uh, connect me with Colonel Howe at the government airfield. I'll hold on. Kent, I'm... I'm putting a lot of faith in you. More than I ever put in any map.
9: Well, sir, I'll... I'll try to live up to it. Oh, um, while you're getting the airfield, I'll call my paper. There are some maps I left behind. Oh, I... yes,
1: of course. You, uh, you use the
7: phone in the next office. Oh, thank you.
4: Uh, Colonel Howe, please. Yes. this is John Ives at Hemisphere administration. No, no, I must speak to him.
7: Anyway, yes.
1: Hello, uh, Metropolis 4200. Two Hundred. That's right. Hello. Hello, Daily Planet. Uh, Clark Kent calling from Washington. Connect me with Jimmy Olsen, will you please? Please. Hello, Jimmy. Uh, this is Mr. Kent. Yes, now listen carefully, Jim. I left some maps on the desk in that empty office. That's right. i well, now get them and take the first transport plane to Washington... And deliver the maps to Lieutenant Elliott's plane at the government airfield. Uh huh. I'll make arrangements for you to get through the gate. Now, now, do you have it straight? Get the
9: maps on the desk in that empty office and take the first plane for Washington.
1: Kent, this is Lieutenant Elliott. Elliott, Lord Kent. How do you do? Glad to know you, Lieutenant. Are we all set? Well, there's the ship, warming up. Oh, I almost forgot. Did a young man deliver some maps to you? Yes, about 20 minutes ago. They're in the plane. Oh, good. Well, where did Jimmy, uh, I mean, where did the young man go? Oh, I didn't notice. I assume he left. Well, not even waiting to say goodbye to me? Huh. I'll fix him when I get back.
3: All right, Lieutenant, if you're ready,
1: I am. Well, goodbye, Kent. Goodbye, sir. And Godspeed. Thanks, Mr. Ives. I'll be in touch with you by radio.
3: I'll climb in, Mr. Kent.
1: Okay.
9: So long. So long
1: i landing. That's an amazing story, Mr. Kent. Uh, I mean about those Inca Indians. Yes. Uh, it's enough to give you the creeps. <laughs> but they couldn't possibly sabotage this plane. Not at the government airport. Things are too closely watched.
3: Uh, I should be spotting the Fort Dennis Beacon soon.
1: Trouble is, I can't see much. Ice on the windshield. Have you any glycerin? That'll clear it. Uh, yeah. It's back in the tail compartment. Oh, I'll get it. No, no, you'll never find it. Here, take the controls. Keep on the beam at 12,000. Okay. I'll get the glycerin. Yeah, she handles like a dream.
3: Yeah, sweet chip. That uh, glyphorin should be in
1: here someplace. I, I know I... Had... Hey, what's the matter? Say,
3: hey. hand me that automatic in the holster under the dashboard. Why? Quick, what's the trouble? Quick, give it to me. Here. There's somebody hiding in that tail compartment.
1: Is Lieutenant Elliot right... Is there someone lurking in the tail of the army plane as it roars through the sky at 300 miles an hour? Don't miss the next thrilling episode. Things are beginning to happen and happen fast, so tune in and listen with Superman. Don't forget, tune in again for the next thrilling episode with Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky. It's
1: a bird. It's a plane.
2: It's Superman. Superman.
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.
0: You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman.
1: Presenting the transcription feature, Superman!
2: Superman! It's a
1: bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman who can leap tall buildings at a single bound, race a speeding bullet to its target, then steal in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice. But before we join Superman, listen. And now to our stories. Clark Kent, on his way to South America in an army plane piloted by Lieutenant Elliot, has high hopes of finding some trace of the three expeditions of American engineers lost in the Andes Mountains. It's Kent's theory that the vanished nation of the Inca Indians still exists in the mountain fastness. That the engineers sent to survey a Pan-American highway to link North and South America are in their clutches. At twelve thousand feet, ice forms on the plane's windshield. Letting Ken take the controls, Lieutenant Elliot opens the tail compartment to get some glycerin, only to step back horrified. Reaching for an automatic pistol, he levels it at the opening.
3: Ken, there's someone in that compartment. What? I saw two eyes staring at me out of the darkness. You sure, Elliot, positive. Don't worry, I'll get whoever it is with this gun. You stay at the controls. you better let me handle it, Elliot. You take the ship. No, no, I'll get him. You just sit tight. Okay, here it goes.
5: Hey, wait a minute. Elliot, don't shoot.
3: What? Who is it? Come out of there.
5: Okay, I'm coming. What? Why, is the kid who brought your mess? That's
1: right, Jimmy Olsen, Daily Planet copy boy. Oh, Mr. Kent. Take the controls, Elliot.
5: Nice night,
1: isn't
5: it, Mr. Kent? Yes. Now, look here, Jimmy. What you did is unforgivable. you know that you came close to being shot? I'm sorry, Mr. Kent. I didn't mean to cause any trouble. I knew it wasn't right to stow away, but... Gee, when you asked me to bring those maps to Washington, I figured you were going to South America, and... Well, you and I have made a lot of trips together. And...
1: I know, Jimmy. I know, and we've had a lot of fun. But I'm on government business now... Well, frankly, you'll tie me down. Oh, no, I won't, Mr. Kent. Honest, I won't. I can take care of myself. I know, Jimmy, but there's no telling what kind of trouble may be waiting in those mountains. After all, three expeditions have disappeared in the very region we're headed for. Well, I'm afraid we'll just have to turn around and take you back. We'll lose a lot of time. I know, Elliot, but he's got to go back. Well,
5: if you don't want me, Mr. Kent, maybe I could be of some use to Lois and Mr. White. Kind of run errands and things like that. Run errands in the Andes Mountains? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. I even brought along my sneakers Oh, that's going to be a big help
1: <laughs> We could take him to San Diego, Kent And then ship him back on a passenger plane No, I wouldn't let him come back alone All right, Jimmy It's like you win again
5: You mean I can go down with you all the way?
1: I suppose so
5: Oh, I diggity, oh boy South America
1: well, Just a minute, young man Let's get one thing straight If you
5: ever do anything like this again
1: We're quits, do you understand?
5: Yes, sir, Mr. Kent, I promise Are you mad at me?
1: No, I'm not mad. I hope you come out of this all right. What's the first stop, Elliot? We'll refuel across the border, about 400 miles due south. The miles rush by like seconds New Mexico, Texas, the Rio Grande, and the slim silver shadow of the plane threads its way southward through the night. But what of Perry White and Lois Lane? Deep in the Andes, Bronson, pilot of the steel straddle plane, has brought it to rest on a long plateau facing Tupangato, the huge, terrifying mountain into which the American engineers have vanished. Heavy, thick clouds swirl around the mountaintop, and a dense mist rises out of the valleys as Editor White helps Lois out of the plane. Well, it's a lucky thing we found this plateau. It's practically like a runway at Mitchell Field. Well, come on, Lois. I'll give you a hand.
10: That's it. Now Jump. Yeah. Thanks. Well, that's it. Mighty Tupangato. Gato. Certainly it's big, all right.
1: Yeah, big and nasty. Look at those clouds. You can't even see the peak. Well, Bronson. Bronson. Coming, Mr. Wyatt. I was checking the instruments. Well? What do you think, Bronson? Shall we try going over the mountain? Not with all those clouds.
10: I thought the plane could get up much higher than that mountain. You said it was only 20,000 feet, Mr. White.
1: Well, that isn't the point, Lois. It's the clouds, Mr. Bronson spoke about. We couldn't see a thing through all those clouds up there. Well, what do you suggest, Bronson? There isn't much we can do but wait. Make clear by morning. I got an idea. We might send up a few rocket players. It's almost dark enough now. Rocket players? Why? Who's lost, we or they? Well, if those engineers are trapped up there, they'll know somebody's looking for them. Maybe they'll even signal back. If I were lost in these mountains, I'd like to know that somebody was looking for me.
10: I think he's right, Mr. White. If they are lost, the rockets might help them find their way down.
1: All right. Go ahead if you want to play around with rockets. (laughs) Seems pretty foolish to me. I'll get them there in the emergency kit. Pretty silly. Anybody would think that we're in distress.
10: Nobody's going to think anything of the kind because nobody's here to see it. Unless it's those engineers. And a sign of civilization ought to be a mighty, cheerful little eyeful to them. How would you like to be up there now, completely lost?
1: Well, don't let your imagination run away with you, Lois. You promised to be level-headed. That's the only reason I took you along. Remember that. Here are the rockets. We send up two of them. How do they work? Well, pretty much like Fourth of July rockets, except these have ignition caps on them. I'll set them in the ground here.
3: There. Point them up towards the mountain peak. Dark enough now. Here goes.
10: I certainly ought to see that. It looks like a falling star going backwards.
1: Here goes the second one. There. Those magnesium flares can be seen a hundred miles away. You mean if these mountains weren't in the way? Well, now that you're all through having your fun, how about some food?
10: Fine, I'm. Listen. Listen, it's that flute like sound again. Mr. White, listen.
1: Quiet, Lois, quiet. Keep your head.
10: It's coming closer. What can it be?
2: I don't know. It's eerie.
10: Mr. White, I'm frightened. What is it?
7: Easy, Lois, easy.
1: Eight solid hours.
5: Gosh, it's light out. Boy, look at those green forests. What are they, Lieutenant Elliot?
1: They're jungles, Jimmy. We we're flying over Costa Rica.
5: Costa Rica. Huh? Mm-hmm. Costa Rica. Oh, Where's that, Mister Kent?
9: Didn't you study geography,
5: Jimmy? Sure. I guess the page on Costa Rica was torn out of my book. Oh, I see. Well, it's in the southern part of Central America. We'll be sighting the Panama Canal soon. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Gee, that's wonderful. I always wanted to see the Panama Canal. What's that blue water over there? The Pacific Ocean. Mm. Oceans must be pretty close together down
1: here. They are. That's why American engineers built the canal through Panama. Oh, there it is, Jimmy. That thin silver thread.
5: Isn't that a city down there?
1: That's right. It's called Calan. Cristobal is on the other end of the canal.
5: Cristobal and Calan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Funny names. Do they mean anything?
1: Sure. They're old
5: Spanish for Christopher Columbus. Cristobal, Calan. Gee. You make history sound
3: interesting, Mr. Kemp. Yeah, history is interesting, Jimmy. And that region down there is chock full of exciting things. Boy, look at those jungles. Mm. Uh, That's nothing, Jimmy. Wait until you see the jungles of the Amazon. Hundreds and hundreds of miles of dense
2: undergrowth.
1: Leaving Panama behind, the silver bird speeds on over Venezuela, Colombia, over the matted jungles of the Amazon. And then, then the mighty chain of the Andes mountains looms ahead. Vast, overpowering, stone giants whose heads tower above the clouds. Silent as only stone can be. Mysterious, magnificent.
5: Golly, I never thought mountains could be so big. Where are we now, Mr. Kent?
1: Nearing Peru, Jimmy. Just another thousand miles to go.
5: Thousand miles? All over mountains?
1: I guess so, Jimmy. These Andes stretch along the whole western coastline of South America.
5: Gee, it's kind of scary. Imagine being lost down there. Nobody would ever find you, not in a million years.
1: Now, well, do you still want to come with us into those mountains? Oh, me? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure.
5: Are the mountains as big where we're going?
1: Oh, yes. These are only foothills, eleven or 12,000 feet high. Wait until we get to Peru. Some of those peaks are over 20,000 feet. Those are mountains.
5: Gosh, they must be. <laughs>
1: It's getting a little cool, Jimmy. You'd better put on one of the sheepskins. I don't want you catching a cold.
5: Okay. Well, where is one, Lieutenant Elliot? In the tail compartment, where you stowed away. Oh, it's too dark to see anything in there.
3: Well, there's a porthole. If you pull back the lever near the door, the shield on the porthole flies back. That'll give you enough light.
10: All right. Like a in
5: here. I can't see a thing.
3: Pull the lever. Oh, know. wait a minute, Jimmy. Pull everything. Oh, I found a lever. Jimmy, Jimmy, no! What's oh, the matter? Uh... He yeah, what happened? Keep pull the lever to the emergency drop hatch. What? Kent, where are you going? Kent, don't it's too late. You can't help. Kent, stay away from that open hatch. Kent.
2: Gone. Both gone. What? It's horrible.
1: But unknown to Elliot, Superman is plummeting to Earth at the speed of a bullet, smashing through space. Below him, the sharp, jagged peaks of the Andes loom like so many giant bayonets. What fate awaits Jimmy? Will Superman reach him in time to save the boy from being dashed on the rocky mountain peaks? Tune in again and follow this exciting South American adventure with Superman! Don't forget... Tune in again for the next thrilling episode with
3: Superman.
2: Look, up in the sky.
3: A bird, it's a plane. It's Superman.
1: Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine.